Welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves. Through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences, we're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way that you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Hi, and well, now here we officially are. I'm so excited to be on this episode with Mary Adkins. Mary, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Looking well, forward to chatting. I know. We were having a very fun chat prior to this. <laughs> We've talked before, and I'm super excited for all we're going to dig into on this episode. But since you all don't know Mary, I'm going to share, as I usually do, kind of some typical bio stuff, but I don't mean typical, like Mary's is typical, <laughs> <laughs> but more of the nuts and bolts of Mary, and then we'll get to know her and all the really wonderful things she's doing. So a little bit of what Mary's been up to and how she's working in the writing world and doing some really cool things. So she is a writing coach and founder of the Book Incubator a 12-month program to write, revise, and pitch your novel or memoir. She's author of the novels When You Read This, which is an indie next pick, best book of 2019 by Good Housekeeping and Real Simple. Another book called Privilege, today.com, best summer read, New York Post, best read of the week. So really great press on these. And Palm Beach, recently named one of the New York Post best books of 2021. So I know I'm excited to add those to my book reading list, but her <laughs> books have been published in 13 countries and her essays and reporting have appeared in the New York Times, The Atlantic, Slate, and more. She's a graduate of Yale Law School and Duke University. She helps aspiring authors finish their books with joy and clarity. You can apply for the book incubator by going to apply.maryatkinswriter.com. And I know I just said that all really fast, but we'll have it in the show notes and we'll we'll underline it again at the end of the episode. So welcome again, Mary. And I'm so excited to dig into you as a mother, as a writer, as a business owner, entrepreneur, you know, all the things and how you're doing that. Because I know when we talked, there's some, there's a lot of inspiration there, you know, just from your journey and then how you've been supporting others in thurs. So if you don't mind now, if we could hear about that, like yeah, from you personally about all of this. Yeah, sure. So yeah, one thing not in my bio is that I'm also the mother of a five-year-old named Finn, F-I-N-N Finn. And we now live in Dallas. We did live in, in Nashville very recently, but we moved to Dallas this year. My three novels, let me start at, let's see. So I was a lawyer for a very short time. For only seven months out of law school was I a lawyer because it wasn't a great fit for me. I was in litigation and I'm anti-confrontational, so just not a great fit. But also it did not give me time to write. And that's really what I had wanted to do since I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. So I left my job really quickly, got a tutoring job to pay my bills and started writing and wanted to be an author. I mean, I specifically wanted to write books. 
I wasn't sure if I wanted to write fiction or non, like memoir or funny essays or novels. I wasn't sure quite what I wanted to write. I just knew I wanted to write books. That was my ambition. It's kind of cute to me looking back now that I really thought it would take me about a year to get a book, to write a book and get a book deal. And it Mm. did not take me a year. A year is a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. It took me seven years. And during those seven years, I was working on what became ultimately my first novel called When You Read This. Mm. And I'm sharing all this to say like that experience of writing my first novel was, I was in my 20s. For part of it, I was dating my husband, who the man who would become my husband. But for some of it, I wasn't. I was single. I was like living in this apartment by myself. I was Mm. feeding my friends for drinks. I was like tutoring at night. But during the day, I could just sit in coffee shops and write. At the time, I didn't think about it this way, but I had so much time looking back. Like I had, I just really luxuriated in the amount of time that you I had. You just have no idea. Until you had no you idea. Have that time. You know, right. Like I, <laughs> it's not that I didn't appreciate, like I don't, I'm not shaming my younger self. Like she no. should have appreciated what she had. Like I couldn't have, I didn't know. And I think I did appreciate it in the ways I knew how to, but it was luxurious. I mean, it was like mm-hmm. seven hours a day that I could write in a given day without any interruption. And I could delete everything I had written and not worry about the time I spent writing it. And and then my second novel sold, the way that it often works in publishing is that, at least with fiction, with novels, is that after you have your first book deal, you can sell your subsequent novels on a proposal. You don't have to write it. You can get the book contract before you have even written the book. You just write you write like a synopsis of it and sell it to your publisher. I did that for my second and third novels. And my second novel sold on a proposal the night that that I had a baby, that I had my son. So that happened the same 20... I was like in you my hospital twins. bed. I birthed twins, yeah. I, was, <laughs> I didn't even know. I, I was in my... That's amazing. I was in my hospital bed and like opened my email and it was like, your book sold. And I was like, oh, cool. Showed my sister the email. So it was like, a we would joke that it was this like precipitous 24 hours. But the reality of it was I had gotten a baby and a book contract that I now had a deadline for because I hadn't written it yet. And I got them on the same day. (laughs) You know, it was like, here's a new form. I love it so much just because of it really is like to now I said that kind of jokingly, but it it really is twins, like two things that need a tremendous amount of time, attention and care. Yeah, it was like, I mean, I agree. I think that's I've never thought of it that way. And it did feel like that. And there was something kind of magical about it. And and just really, I mean, not unsettling is the wrong word. It just like, I mean, a baby throws everything in your life up in the air anyway. But the combination of these two things at the same time did in a really specific way because I had also, at this point, just a a few months earlier, uh, nine, 10 months earlier, it was pretty Mm -hmm. well timed, um, taken a full-time job so that I could get health insurance so that I could have a baby and not pay out of pocket because we were, my husband and I were both like freelancers. Sure. And so we had really kind of structured that very intentionally to try to mitigate some of the the medical bills from childbirth. Mm -hmm. And so I had taken this full-time job for the first time in like eight years and I had a maternity leave. So I was on this, this nine week maternity leave and I 
remember thinking like, okay, I can't have a full-time job and a baby and write a book at the same time. So I have to <laughs> write right, the book. Like, maybe I, <laughs> we're capable of so much, but maybe all three of those. <laughs> maybe that's too much. Mm-hmm. So I was like, there was a small part of me that was like, maybe I won't go back to my job, but let me just assume that I will. I mean, because I had managed to like live on a freelancer's income up until this point, like I really sure. had gone for the health insurance. But I thought, well, let me assume I will because I felt indebted to my employer and I really liked my employer. So I thought, well, I'm going to try to write this draft during my maternity leave. Like that makes the most sense to me to just try to knock out the draft during my maternity leave. And sometimes when I say that now, it sounds kind of crazy. And I I think sometimes when I tell people this, they look at me like it's crazy. It did not feel crazy at the time. It felt very reasonable in a way. Like it just kind of made sense. And I don't know that it, you know, in some ways, maybe it was a kind of toxic productivity that I thought, oh, I'm going to write a book during my maternity leave. But my husband has been the first one to say, he's like, I think that was the best possible thing for you at that time because it Mm -hmm. got me, I had to get dressed (laughs) because I couldn't write in our house because we lived in this little apartment and like the baby was crying all the time. And I couldn't write even if the baby wasn't crying, like I couldn't right just sitting right now the space is really important for sure so i had to leave like the the baby got to keep the apartment so like i would have to get (laughs) dressed i would just shower i would have to get dressed i would have to like get my tablet that i wrote on or my computer and go sit in a coffee shop and like pull my head outside of like out of new mom stupor and into a whole make-believe world and it was really hard to do like it was the hardest it had ever been Mm -hmm. But like I said, he, Lucas, my husband has since said, like, I think that was like really good for you. And I look at what he said it. it, I was like, I think you're right. I think it was. And you went to plan it. And I think in, you know, in the rewrite the mother code framework, when we're always looking at like how mothering choices are often like dictated by our family or our culture, like that would be one that probably if, if you made this choice by talking to a lot of other people and listening to what they all said you wouldn't have done it, right? It would have been like, no, like either you can't or that's not good for you or, you know, oh you would have gosh, gotten so interesting. So, so much. And I'm not saying every, there wouldn't have been people that would have supported you, right? But right, there would have been a lot more fear around it or skepticism, at least skepticism, like of what's Absolutely. possible. So, I had never thought about it that way. And I was just going to say, I mean, at one point during that time, I did give myself a month, the first month of my maternity leave. I did not work on anything. Then I kicked it up. So I had about seven weeks left to do it. And during that seven weeks, I hired a friend of mine to help me out with childcare. She would come for a few hours a day. And I was just thinking, like, if I had not had a book contract, and so it was like, Mary hired her friend to come take care of her seven-week-old or no, her four-week-old baby, so she could write a novel like in Starbucks. I don't know that that would have gone over very well. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> like, oh, I think for sure. like, what is wrong with her? That's weird. Right. You know, like, I don't know. No, I just, there would have come with some judgment, I think. Exactly. So I, I love that. That's why I think it, I love when we can kind of step back and look at like, wow, what a gift that those have, like that timing when... And you might have chosen, it's not like any choice was wrong. Like you might have chosen, like, no, I'm I'm not gonna do this, right? Cause that just doesn't right. feel right. Like 
but you didn't have any of those strong signs and you're like, I'm going to go for it and see. And then, you know, we get to break the norm and see what's possible. And then that doesn't, just to give other options. And like, that's what I always want is like, there, there isn't like one way to think about these things. And, and I can actually relate. So I was working as a litigation consultant at the time, very different um, economic consulting and litigation for just a one man operation, one person operation. And I had hired a replacement. I didn't know how long I was going to take off, but I hired somebody to step in and do my job. And she literally quit. My boss like called me like the day I gave birth (laughs) and said, well, just want to say like so-and-so like quit. So if you would consider coming back sooner as immediately as you are willing to. (laughs) But I, same thing, right? Like that wasn't my plan. I had pictured maybe like some extended not work time, but I think it was the best thing for me too, Mm. for all the reasons that you said, you know? So I think sometimes circumstances intervene themselves and I could have said, no, I could have said, let's find someone else. You know, I'll help find someone else. But it's like my system kind of knew that's what I needed, right? Yeah. And I believe that these things don't happen by chance. And yeah, I brought, and I did things, I brought my baby, there were only like two, me and two other people. I brought the baby to the office. You know, I were, yeah. I did go out, but the baby often came with, and then we had a, you know, someone come al- at one point, like the caregiver would come along with, we'd all hang out at the office. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Cause that time we didn't have laptops where you could actually do it at home. Like you had, I had right. my you desktop had that I had to go yep. <laughs> do in the office. So I love what you're talking about. And it doesn't mean it was easy, but you found ways, right? And these ways worked for you. So yeah. So keep going. Say more about how you met some of these challenges, things that were different, what you liked, what you didn't like about it. Anything you want to share about that part? Yeah. So there were two really profound differences that I noticed immediately when I was writing a book with a baby versus before I had been a mom. Mm -hmm. And the first, I'll, I'll do this one first. This one really caught me by surprise. So just as a reminder, I had written a, a synopsis of this novel and a couple of sample chapters of it to sell it. So I had already developed the three main characters. They were students on a college campus. They were all women. So it was kind of like the novel centered around the orbit, like it orbited these three women's lives and how their lives intersected at this Southern university. I developed it enough that I was excited about it. My literary agent was, my publisher bought it. You know, like there was a lot of excitement around it. Well, when I went back to it, so we sent it off, we sent it to the publisher, right? I get the email when I'm in the hospital bed, like it's sold. Mm-hmm. And by this point, I hadn't looked at it in probably two months because it's pretty, you know, it took a while for my editor to actually look at it, bring it to the acquisitions team at the publisher and all that. So I probably hadn't looked at it in two months. And then a few, couple more weeks went by because I actually needed a little more time before I was ready. When I went back to read the material that I had written before I had a baby, (laughs) but now I had a baby, what struck me immediately was that there were no moments in this whole story I had created where I had given these characters joy, not intentionally. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason it struck me so much is because I remember one of the most like pronounced 
desires I had as soon as my son was born was I wanted him to have joy. It was like, Mm. I just want to create joy for this person. I want him to have moments of joy. And it was like, I was still in that early state too, where that felt really almost overwhelming. You know, it was like, I just want to give him like such a good life. It was like that overpowering sensation. It was almost like I was coming back to these fictional characters and seeing them for the first time as like someone's children, you know, like, oh no, but if in this fictional world, these are someone's children and their parents would want them to have joy. Not that there's not going to be conflict in the book, obviously, because the story is conflict, but it felt like this big absence to me all of a sudden. And I remember like immediately writing down and writing this one scene for one of the characters where she got to have joy. (laughs) And it was a small moment of joy. I mean, it wasn't like I don't even remember what it was. It was little, but I I just remember like I need to give her something just to like get this off my chest because yeah. I was feeling that absence. So that was yeah. interesting. And ever since then, I'm I'm very conscious of it, like how much joy I'm giving my characters and if they're g- getting those moments in my fiction. And then the other thing that really changed, it was my process because in, like I said, in my 20s and, and very early 30s, like I just had hours and hours a day. And then it it was, I'm going to write this in seven months on my maternity leave because I've d- seven weeks on my maternity leave because I've decided to. And I have childcare for four hours a day. And that includes, I got to pump somewhere in there. <laughs> if okay. I'm not, I gotta eat. I'm not at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to get like some food. I have to like walk wherever I'm going or take the train. So like maybe it would end up being probably two hours or so of writing yep. a day. Yep. And so I just, I had to get efficient. It was the most writing had ever for me felt like when you're at an actual job and you get a project that has constraints, it's like, here's your budget, here's your timeline, yeah. here's what you have to work with, and here are your deliverables, right? They're yep. not just like, take as long as you need and spend right. as much time as you need. <laughs> like, that's just not what happened. So this was much more like, okay, let me get serious about this. I need to write. And I remember I had started writing by hand because I found the computer really daunting all of a yeah. sudden, yeah. probably under this pressure I was putting on myself. And so I figured out, okay, if I write 10 pages by hand a day, I will finish. So it was like, okay, I have every day I write 10 pages by hand. And then I made this storyboard and it was like, I write, I'm checking off the scenes as I'm writing them. I just got organized. You know, I'd like never been this organized before. It's like that necessity is the mother of invention kind of thing. Right. That was a huge benefit to my writing career because- Yeah, I learned how to like make it into an actual project. You know, it wasn't just like throwing spaghetti at the wall for years and seeing what happens. It was like, Mm -hmm. no, let me get my head around this and be the project manager, not just the kind of like writer chasing the muse. I carried that with me. And still, I mean, the skills that I developed, I think, in those couple months were like life changing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm struck by so many aspects of what you're sharing, Mary, that I and I just want to underline or basically just kind of reiterate it because I it's so powerful, but that both of these, so again, like in the rewrite, the mother code framework, like I, I approach it from like, we all mother, you know, but I focus on all women mother and whether we're mothering a child or a project, like a book or a career or a relationship, you know, where we're putting this 
focused energy is where we mother. Mm-hmm. And these kind of there happen to you simultaneously. And so we'll go back to the, like you birthed two, two yeah. beings at that moment. And I love how you're then seeing the gifts that each of them gave you, but that they intersected, right? Like that, yeah. the joy that you were then bringing to the book process, this whole awareness and awakening that wouldn't have been there had you not had this experience with your newborn son of you know what you wanted him to have and to give him. So you got a process from the book that was really valuable. You know, you got the joy that came into the book and everybody's benefiting, right? But I don't think that could have been possible had you not been so aware that you were making this choice. And this isn't something you said, but it feels clear Mm -hmm. to me that it's like, I'm not victimized by this. No one's making me do this. I chose this and I'm, I'm going to go for it. Right. And I'm, and it feels okay. It feels right. Right. It doesn't feel like, oh, I'm trying to be a super mom, you know, or I'm trying to be this, or I have to do it because this is what my mother would have done. You know, like this is yeah, really felt very much of your choosing. And then we get to learn and grow in both of those, but see how they, for me, just shows like how they are so much alike and mm-hmm. how we can learn about ourselves in our mothering, motherhood and our mothering of everything. They're not these distinct silos. It's not like, oh, okay, now I just go home and like, I'm a mother of this child. And then I turn that off. And then I go to, you know, my book writing and like, now I'm author, writer, and none of that exists. It's like, no, it's so feminine to have it all exist together and have it, you know, just be so, such a powerful combination. So anyway, I just had, I wanted to like say all that more, just see what you're guessing about. Yeah, I love that. I've never thought about it that way, but you're so right that like one was a gift from my, like my son was giving me this gift for my creativity and my creativity was also giving me this gift at the time, which is like learning how to carve out time, carve out time and not think it was what you were just saying. Like it wasn't, didn't have to be at odds with mothering or competing with time with my son or something. No, they were and they're benefiting each other. They're totally benefiting each other. And I think there was, it's funny. I was, you know, when sometimes you go through your photos on your phone or your phone shows you old photos from the Mm -hmm. past and you're like, Mm -hmm. what? I forgot about that. Especially. And I think a lot of times after having a child, like everything is such a blur that you you forget whole swaths of time, you know, (laughs) like, (laughs) but I saw this photo the other day on my phone. I don't remember if it turned it up or if I found my way there somehow. But it was of like a sleeping newborn on my lap. And then like he was kind of laying in my left arm. And then my right arm was I was writing on my tablet. And it was just like, oh, I had such nostalgia looking at Uh. it because it was like, that's how it felt. It all felt like part of the same. Like you said, it's all mothering. It's just like Mm -hmm. mothering in different fields, but right. Different arenas, different aspects, but. You know, sometimes yeah. they were like directly together. Like, I love that picture. I might have you send me that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I will. I'd love to see that picture because sometimes they're happening like together, you know, we're, yeah. oh, honey, we're in this together. Like, you know, mommy does this too. Like, you know, I'm nurturing, holding you and I'm doing this. Yeah. And sometimes they're separate, but I'm bringing the best of them to each other. And we're not going to pretend it's like, was always easy or that there weren't Mm-mm. like big challenges. And we can talk about that, but 
I think having the overall sense that it's like, oh, and I'm something else I wanted to say, because I loved when you said like a computer, just that's not where my brain was, right? Like, it's like Mm -hmm. your brain allowed enough space for the structure, but you are in a different mode and your our brains are, they change after Mm. given birth, right? There's just, there's literal things. So, and I love that you hand wrote. I think there's something creative and different about that. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I can't use a computer. So I guess I can't do this. Right. It was like, right. No. And then that lent itself, you know, I probably to a different access than it might've, I'm saying this just with a little bit I know about. Yeah. Writing versus computer writing and our brains and creativity. There's this whole like masculine feminine interchanges that are happening that I just, yeah. So excited about what you're sharing. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024, and I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico, Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. I was so blown away by how handwriting was 
it allowed me to be creative in a way that I would just shut down at the computer. And the difference was so striking to me that I started to read about the research around handwriting because I was like, I wanted to know. I'm like, what is happening in my brain that is different than what I said at a computer? And I just dipped a little bit into it. But what I found this one study that was super fascinating that Mm. where the researchers found that when we handwrite, it's very similar to when we read in terms of the parts of our brain that are being activated. And that does not happen when we type. Mm. And I thought that like, oh, that's cool. Like that felt right to me. Like handwriting does feel closer to my experience of like reading a book than typing does. So I thought that was interesting. Well, and you would have never done that, weren't you, trying to navigate? Sounds like, I mean, you, who knows? You might have tried it because you might have come across an article, but the circumstance, like you said, like it just it wasn't happening for me given yeah. <laughs> where my head was, you know, at that time. But yeah. then there was that whole masculine aspect of like figuring out, like, how much do I need to write to like get this done and mm-hmm. give myself that system or that, you know, sense of, monitoring and kind of being named milestones, milestones. Right. So it was like in service of your creativity versus like having it take over. Right. It was like, oh, those things supported, you know, creativity. And tell me if this is true for you, but I would have a sense that given that you had that focus time and that's when you worked on it. And yes, you could do a little bit, like you said, holding your son while you were writing, but for the most part, the bulk of it happened while you were in that space, just you, that then the time that you did have with your son and husband was freed up, you know, like you were were able to then put that energy there. Exactly. It was nice to have both kind of both things going. And I think you said this a couple of minutes ago, and I thought it was really important and wanted to affirm that that was correct. In my case, like Mm -hmm. you said, I think it's that you, it was important that you had the choice, like no one was making you do it. I very much Definitely like 100% think that like it felt empowering because I, it was because I chose to do it. And I mean, years later, I was remembering when you said that, that years later, I made the opposite decision about a book after a pregnancy loss. And that was Mm -hmm. just a situation where it was like, I didn't have the energy to write this book that Mm -hmm. I had put together the proposal for and that we were like all gung ho about. And had to be like, no, I don't want to write that anymore. And so it was also an empowering decision. It was just the opposite decision, you know? Yeah. And I, I think, I don't no, know what there is no, there, but something no, about- No, there like- is something big there, which is just because that worked well then doesn't mean that's now the formula, right? Like, or, yeah. oh, look, like this is coming at me again at a circumstance around pregnancy and this time it's the loss, but I should still be able to do it because I did it last time. But no, this is a whole new situation. Let's retune in and look and see what do I need now for this circumstance. And I just love and I'm applauding you for at whatever level or however, you know, maybe you can talk about like, what was that like? And did you have any opposition to whatever or ever any voices or doubt of what you should do? Or was it just pretty clear? It was pretty clear. And it's interesting, you know, a second ago, you said the thing about how our brains change after childbirth. And I felt it felt like that. I mean, at one, it felt like that with childbirth. I did feel like, like becoming mom overnight changed my biology. <laughs> You're just like, whoa, I just got rewired. Like it feels very magical, you know? It's yeah. like, 
how did that happen so instantaneously? Yeah. And I know everyone doesn't feel like that, but I think a lot of people do. I did. But well, I, I think it's a matter of tuning into it. I think for some women and you know, you're sharing how it was like, whoa, kind of cool. Like, wow. I think for some women that I've worked with, it's like there's something out of control about that. I think there's a control, mm-hmm. like, I just want to get back to how I was, or there can be some fear yeah. that goes along with it. And, you know, if we don't kind of explore that and look at it, it, it can be very disconcerting and upsetting. And then we're just trying to like get back to that same person I was before, but you, you kind of can't. So you can go up in odds with each other till you like that more, more so surrender to it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. I had a series of miscarriages. So I had recurrent I'm miscarriages. So and for your loss. Was, That's, thank you. Yeah. It was the hardest year I ever had. And I actually have done a lot of writing. I'm working on a memoir about it now. Mm-hmm. So I am Good. processing it through writing, which is how I process everything. I had this moment after my third one that was kind of, it felt like what we're talking about in a way. It was like <laughs> rewiring of my brain, like almost made like a science sound like, <laughs> yeah. Where it was like, you are not the same now. Like, sorry, you can't write that book. Like, it was just matter of fact. It was, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's still a part of me that could have been like, no, we're going to do it because we said we would. And this is that that part of me could have kicked in. But I think it would have been futile because it felt it really was like, I don't have anything to say in that book anymore. Like that book it just is just dead. There's just no energy there. That's just not mm-hmm. going to happen now. And I think I am very attuned to that kind of just because of the nature of what I write, which is I write creatively, like that's my the kind of writing I've done now for, I don't know, 15 years. So I, not that I'm like perfect at doing this, but I, I am very aware that it's this kind of dance with inspiration and that I, I can't do it on my own. Like if I'm not feeling inspired, it's just not going to happen. Like. Yeah. And that's different than, say, just writer's block or being feeling daunted by the computer screen like we were talking about. Like That's very different. Like Those are solvable things, right? You just handwrite or I could go on a walk or I could. But when the inspiration itself just suddenly goes dry, there's no point. And like that's done for me. It was that kind of feeling, which was different. Uh, I love you articulating it. So this is something that people could recognize in themselves. Like these Mm. are, those are important distinctions, right? The, is this just a hurdle to get over? Like what's in my way? Cause I'm, I'm really excited to write this book, but I'm running up against some challenges as opposed to like, no, there's more to it than that. Like I could figure out how to get this book written, but that isn't what's, I'm not connecting to it right now in the way that, that it needs at this point in time. And yeah. It's sort of the difference between like fear. I mean, fear has energy, right? Like fear is very energizing, actually. It's the most energizing thing. You're like trying to run from a lion. I mean, it's so if it fear is actually not dead, I would not call that dead or flat. And so fear is actually something I think is good to try to work through if Mm -hmm. that's what's in the way. This is more what I'm talking about. It feels to me very different than fear. It's like trying to squeeze juice out of a lemon that has no juice in it. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's not energy there anymore. It's not scary. It's just not anything. <laughs> right. Well, and I think what you were, maybe it's connected to like what you were saying earlier. It's, this was again, like something that you had energy for, and then you went through 
this series of losses and then this particular loss where you then had the choice point, like, is that when the book was accepted and you could have written it then? We were sending it out. Yeah, exactly. We were were in the process of sending it out. Yeah. It's like, nope, I'm going to listen to what's going on inside and it's a no. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. uh, it's, I'm not that person I was when I, when we, you know, this, and that's what I need. I need that person for this book. Right. Like I need, mm-hmm. and she's not here right now and she may or may not be, I don't know. Yeah. It, did you end up writing this book later no. or was it, no, no, that one just, no, that one's gone. Oh, it's funny. I Cause I, that. it's a cool, it's kind of, it, I love how yeah. these are all like, coinciding with what's going on with you, right? Like, hey, isn't it interesting? I didn't yeah. realize that until just now. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. To put these together and see like, oh, wow, these are, mm-hmm. these energies are really connected for me, right? Like yeah. these are, they're really tied together how I'm experiencing both of these worlds. They're all my world. They're just expressions of me in a different way and different right. mediums, right? Yeah. Different kinds of mothering, like you Mm -hmm. said earlier. Yeah. And the most important part and like what I'm underlining, you know, around you and these choices and tuning in is the mothering of yourself, right. And making these choices Mm -hmm. like that mother myself, because if I'm going to put all that care and attention and make this happen, like I got to be doing things that take care of me first and foremost. And I think that's something that I know you were doing. I can, we've talked about in this, but do for yourself and do for your clients, you know, or do for the people that work with you or that are in your incubator. I mean, I think that's why it's called an incubator and not like Mm -hmm. a factory. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I'm very much looking at the, the connection of conceiving, creating and giving birth as I'm writing a book and how tied they are. Right. So Mm. this process and, incubator, womb, whatever we want to call it, because I know it's, that might seem a little odd if, you know, men are in your, but I think it is. And I I think we can all feel more connected when we see the intersection of these processes versus the the, the distinctions. I think the connections you're drawing are really cool to see. And because I, yeah, I, I agree. Like these, the way that the energies intersect is it's just fascinating. And like, right. I was going to say something else about the birthing process. Oh yeah. About your, you're working on your book and how it's similar. I mean, I think another way in which a book is so similar is the letting go, you know, I mean, I know you're not to this stage yet, but, no, but I've there. been hearing about it. I feel like that woman <laughs> yeah. who was like pregnant or whatever, and is starting to hear more and more about <laughs> right. like, Oh, this is the easy part. Wait till you, you know, that's so (laughs) right. You're so focused on that. You can't even like kind of really think, oh no, I'm sure it'll be fine. Or, okay, it's hard, but so is this. And then all these people that say like, oh, I had no idea how. (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) raising the child is like a whole, you know. Exactly. Such a parallel. You're like, you're never going to sleep again. Just you wait. You know, (laughs) it's like that. I mean, it's so worth it. I don't, that's why I keep doing it. Like, it's so worth it. I love putting books out in the world, but it's weird. I mean, it's a kind of like, they take on a life of their own. People interpret them in ways that you can't control, you know, and, and that's so vulnerable, this thing that you created and like, you know, incubated and brought into the world and 
people get to like openly judge it and like yeah. say things about it. And- yes. Yeah. Leave you one star reviews. <laughs> yeah. There's a Facebook group. I'm not on Facebook anymore, but back when I was, this was one of the parts I liked. There was a group called author one star reviews and authors joined it. And it was <laughs> the only thing anyone ever shared was their one star reviews. And it was just like this. Oh, very got to be light place. about it and yes. got to like, just have a space. Uh, yes. I love that. It's because everyone, have, gets everyone gets them. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, if Shakespeare were now like he would have gotten one yeah. star reviews, <laughs> right? Sure like it's all done. It still does. does right. That's so true. Right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is crap. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a terrible writer. No, I love all of this. And so I'd, I'd love, and of course, it's like, we're, I always feel like we're just getting going and I want to do like a whole nother hour. But I would like you to say a few things about how you work, you know, with your authors in the incubator and then how people can find you if this is striking a chord with them. Yeah, I'd love to. So those couple months when I, became a project manager for my own book and actually figured out like a system and a process. I was so excited about it. It was like, I want to teach people this thing because it worked. And I like wrote a book in a couple months doing this. So basically that's kind of how it was born. It was me wanting to teach what I had figured out, not just then, but also before in the years leading up to it. I mean, I hadn't known anything about publishing works. Like how do I even get a book published? What is a literary agent? Like I didn't know any of that stuff. And Mm -hmm. so I thought, well, let me, I've like a cute crude, all of this knowledge, like I've hobbled it together. So like I can probably give, like share this with people and it would be helpful. So anyway, that's what I was the original idea for the book incubator, which it evolved into over time. And So now I work with clients, like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, to write their novels and memoirs, and then to revise them and then to get them out in the world, whether that's going what we call the traditional publishing route, which is typically finding a literary agent who sells your book to a publisher. But there are increasingly more and more other ways to to publish too that are not just self-publishing, but do include self-publishing. There are smaller publishers, many of them more and more popping up by the day. There are what are called hybrid publishers where you kind of share some of the profits or rights with them. And like, there's just really some really interesting things out there. It's it's a whole other world and landscape. (laughs) Yeah, you could do a deep dive and spend hours and hours researching this. But it's, I mean, I think the cool thing about it is that there are a lot of ways you can very professionally get a book into the world and in front of readers and distribute it. And they can get digital copies or hard copies. And I just think that's cool. It's a good, cool time that we're alive for the people who want to write books for that reason. So all of that's to say, if people are interested in learning more about that program, they can go to thebookincubator.com. That's where I have all that info. Um, And is it the book incubator, T-H-E? Yeah, it's okay. the incubator. Okay. Great. And then I also have a podcast and a YouTube channel where I share writing tips and stuff. So if they're just looking to kind of, I'm like someone who just likes to binge content mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm trying to learn how to do something. Like I just want to yep. listen to a bunch of little episodes on how to do it. They could go to either of those places. So oh, my great. podcast is called The First Draft Club. And it's just like these short little episodes of me talking and sharing writing strategies. And then the the YouTube channel is the exact same thing. So it's just two versions of me sharing That's writing great. advice. Hey, yeah. well, wonderful. Well, I, I hope uh, aspiring novelists and writers like check you out and find out more and explore. 
because they should. And I think it is one of those like inklings, like you don't have to know, you don't have to have decided you're doing it. You know, I, I think sometimes just taking steps to like follow like a small inkling, you know, or a spark, like, let me just tip my toe in that water. And I think that, you know, and talking to people like you is so, so helpful with that. I always close every episode with this question, which is what does rewrite the mother code mean to you? You know, I think this conversation has inspired me today to think about it as like, I feel like I'm going to walk away from this conversation thinking about how I mother in ways that are not just my literal mothering of the child that I have, you know, and, and myself, like you said, but also my creative work. I think it's really cool to think about creative work as being something we mother and nurture. And like, if we do think about it that way, how does that change how we relate to it? Yeah. Right. That would be a fun thing to journal on. I think. Right. What energy can I, now that I know that is what, what more is available to me in that regard and what can I bring that I didn't necessarily know I had access to or, you know, help build on each other. Exactly. That's beautiful. Oh, thanks, Mary. Uh, Well, and thank you so much for being on today and us being able to dig in and, and have this conversation. I'm, I'm always so inspired and yet again, inspired today being with you and your journey and, I know my audience will be too. So thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Rewrite the Mother Code. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, to find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember... Change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com and sign up for my newsletter. I'll see you next time. 